Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. To all the non-believers, how did that? To all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. analysis of all proteins in the concrete jungle. Can't wait. And welcome to the Big Apple Sports Hour with Sonsky and G on the Double G Radio Network. Unfortunately, the American hero Greg Lawrence G is not here to start the show. He'll be here later on. We got to talk about his mess, man. It's been a wild week for New York. The Yankees have lost 10 of the last 12. The Mets are officially open for business. The Knicks are still a raging dumpster fire. But we also had the NHL draft, uh, which hopefully will bring some good news, which is why I invite on our next guest, the one, the only, the scoring Mike Warren. Mike, there you there? Oh, yes. Ready to go. Awesome. Let's do this. Mike Warren is here. Uh, Score Mike Warren, who's also now has launched the official uh, racing Facebook page. So go out there and like him. Mike, what's the uh, what, what's the URL to that? Uh, I don't know. Just type in Mike Warren on Facebook, and I, I think it'll come up at some point. Simple man I, I for really... a simple sport. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well. Let's, uh, before we dive into last week's NHL draft, there was a trade made by the Rangers with the Coyotes, trading center Derek Stepan and their backup goalie uh, for defensemen and their seventh and the uh, Coyotes' seventh overall pick. Uh, let's address first what they're getting. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo, the defenseman, any good? He's a decent defenseman, and one thing that they're going to look for this year is they need a little bit more help on the power play with somebody on the right side of the ice that can really work the power play. And this is where D'Angelo comes in. I think this is actually a great trade for the Rangers and for a couple of reasons. The first one, as you said, I think D'Angelo is somebody they can get. We'll get into the draft pick in just a little bit. And the other reason I think this is a great trade, but he can run the power play, which has been a struggle for the Rangers for a number of years when it comes to playoff hockey. So this puts them in the right direction without question. Excellent. Now, um, obviously, defense was, was kind of a big issue this year, especially in the playoffs, uh, and that was what everyone was clamoring for. We need to revamp our defense. Uh, however, losing Derek Stepan, how do you think that's going to impact the Rangers going forward? It may have them come out to a slow start, because Stepan's been a guy that's been there. I know we talked about veteran camaraderie last time I was on the show with you guys, and you laughed in my face about it, but besides the point, um, Stefan, it's going to hurt losing him in the locker room because it was a veteran. But 
That's his $6.5 million cap hit each year you're getting rid of now. That This move was purely based on money, purely on money, nothing else. And we'll get into why in a second, but it's tough to see Stefan go. I know he was big in New York, and, you know, it's going to be tough without him, but I think he's going to benefit in Phoenix as well, or Arizona, whatever they call themselves now. But it's going to be tough to see him go, but at least they replaced with a defenseman with D'Angelo that can help out a little bit. Now, as you mentioned, this is uh, done purely for money. And uh, after this trade happened, we spoke very briefly. Does this put them in the race for Shattenkirk? Absolutely, without question. And here's why. You're now looking when we get the free agency, it starts here in a, couple, in a few days, $15 million left in the cap. Okay. You can get Shattenkirk now. Shattenkirk was not a possibility when we last talked. With this trade, he now is, and now they can go for it. I know everybody probably thinks in fair weather all of a sudden, oh, hey, you said, you know, you didn't want – the Rangers had no shot at Shattenkirk. I'm like, well, you look at the salary cap back in, you know, May when they were eliminated, completely different deal now. Now they have a shot, and he's somebody that can really boost through the defense once again. Excellent. We are talking with Score and Mike Warren, the pizza-eating lover, the uh, the greatest man to ever have – to ever share a – Terrestrial live show with me. Um, always good to have you on, sir. Also, you can follow us. You can follow Sobsky and G on Twitter, at Sobsky and G, or uh, on Facebook, at Sobsky and G Podcasting, where you can leave your uh, your thoughts or questions. You can call in at 914-338-0897. You can follow me on Twitter, at um, Sobsky. Mike, do you have a Twitter? Yes, at Sport Mike Moore. Follow him there. Mike, man, always, have, always good to have you on, sir. I'm happy you could join us today. Absolutely. Hey, hey, you know, we get to talk hockey in June. How, how often do you get to say that in New York? I mean, That's true. Um, it, it's okay. We, we do that might, but it's, it's, uh, <laughs> well, listen, it's, it's always good. So let's dive into, let's dive into this draft real quick because uh, the draft happened last week. Obviously, of all of the major drafts, uh, major sports draft. The NHL doesn't get the same kind of love that the NBA or the NFL does, but NHL franchise is still built through the draft. How? Well, let's start with. No, obviously we have the Knicks. Oh, that's not the Knicks. That's another draft. We have the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils. Give me the team that you thought did the best, and then highlight some of the players you think are going to obviously not come out this year and do anything, but in the future, who should we keep an eye on? First things first, a couple things I got to say about the draft. Unlike the other drafts, and this is also changing with the NBA with the G League now, salaries are starting to come up in developmental. But with the exception of guys you see in like the first 15 picks and maybe the first and early second rounds, you're not going to see some of these guys for a couple of years reach the NHL. You have to understand. So there's no point in talking about some of these guys because they could be traded. They might not even. It's make hard it. to see. Also, right. Some of these guys are also still in college and in juniors. So here's a long time before you see some of these guys. I'll start with the Devils. The Devils got an A in the draft, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Devils fan, but it's also hard to screw up the number one pick when you have a couple of guys. Now, I thought they were going to take Nolan Patrick. I would rather have Nolan Patrick personally as a Devils fan, but their developmental is getting better as somebody who worked in the Devils organization last year and got to see the AHL team every night pretty much. They're getting better. Nico Hersler, though, was a good pick. He's, he's very explosive. He's a dynamic scorer, which is something the Devils absolutely need. Because scoring goal, defense wasn't the issues in the past. Scoring goals was the problem. 
He's a better, faster Miles Wood. That's the way I look at it. And Miles Wood's pretty good. He helped out the team last year. But looking back, and, you know, the reason I'm happy they went with Herschler and not Patrick, the more I think about it, Patrick's already had injury issues. And in hockey, that's not something, especially if you're in the Devils, you can't bank on that anymore. So, Nolan Patrick, what, what's the difference between the two players? What, what does each one bring to the table? Obviously, Nolan Patrick went second to the Flyers. Uh, what does uh, Nico bring that Patrick doesn't and then vice versa? I think Nico is a little bit more explosive. I think Patrick overall is the better player, but with the injury issues, the Devils didn't want to take that chance, and I'm fine with that. It's kind of like, and obviously nowhere near on the same scale here, the difference between Crosby and Ovechkin. Best all better all around player Sidney Crosby without question. And again, this is the example I'm using. I'm not saying for one second that either of these two players are on the same wavelength as these two. They're not even in McDavid territory here. But Herschler is more of a dynamic scorer like Ovechkin is, if that makes sense. That makes sense. I'll take that. The other thing too, I, I might I, I also got to mention here, unlike the NBA, when you're in New York, it's okay to take the foreigners in the first round. And, yes, that was a shot at the Knicks. <laughs> listen, listen, I know we're not talking Knicks at this moment because that's a later thing, but, but still, I hate Phil Jackson. You know I hate Phil Jackson. I think Phil Jackson is I hate Phil Jackson. But the one thing Phil Jackson has done right is drafting foreign-born players. True. I, I was just so you know, it's more common is what I mean. Yeah, so obviously there's a bigger um, – I, I would say, obviously, there's no, I don't have any math behind this, but I would wager a guess that there's probably a better chance of an NBA prospect busting if he's a pure foreign player and not a, col- a, a United States college player. So, you know, it's a higher ceiling, lower floor type thing. But anyway, with, with, with the NHL, the, uh, hockey, although they say NBA is, like a, is a world sport, hockey is really a world sport. Uh, being played all over Europe, Canada, uh, Russia here. And, yeah. Uh, Although we are getting better, it feels like the best prospects are still coming from outside of the United States. Right. Now, moving back to the Rangers for their draft, we mentioned that they got the seventh pick from Phoenix. And Elias Anderson helps them because now they had a little trouble at the center position as well. And this is something he may not be able to go in right away. I think he'll be a fourth-line center to start, maybe a third. But I don't think he's going to Hartford. Then they can pick up this left winger, Philip Scheichel. I hope I pronounced his name right. That's the other thing with these foreign-born players. A little harder to pronounce, unlike the NBA sometimes. Uh, but I think he can also have an impact. But the, the Rangers, I think, are in a really good position based on what they do in free agency, and especially if they get Jack Kirk. The other thing, though, that bothers me going forward to free agency for the Rangers, yes, you traded Ranta away. I'm sorry. What you have in Hartford is not good backup goalie-wise. I'm going to be the first one to say that. I think they go East Kincaid from New Jersey as a free agent. I think that's who they sign. Interesting. All right. So that's fair enough. So you think they're going to go uh, sign the goalie from New Jersey as a backup? Because, yeah, that's, for, for for casual hockey fans, the goalies don't start every game. Now, what, what, what do you think the breakdown is? 80% starting goalie, 20% backup goalie throughout the season? It, depend, it depends on the situation sometimes. But I think if – 
we're going to go, we'll take a look at the Rangers. I'm going to say 65 30. It was 65 35 without question with Rantan, actually almost closer to 50 50 because Hank was hurt and Hank did not have a good portion of the year. And that's what I'm afraid of with the Rangers. I don't know. And I love Keith Kincaid because he's been a devil the entire time. He's from, you know, he played college hockey in Schenectady, where I'm from. But the biggest thing you got to remember is can he pick up the slack? And, the de- and he had that chance last year when the Devils were out when you said, okay, why play Schneider? But the question is, is the Devils going to resign him or not? Which they may do that as well because you have an issue now with Scott Wedgwood, who has been hurt the last couple of years. I don't know if he's going to be back with New Jersey because it's tough when he's hurt every time. There, there. Um, I, I, I know I didn't prep you for this question, but I'm looking at it now. I, I think I have to ask you. The Vegas Golden Knights had three picks in the top 15? Yeah, after trades, yes. Oh. All right, now, I, but, again, I, I didn't prep you, so my apologies for, for this question. What do you think of the Golden Knights right now? Well, it's tough to tell because you don't know who's going to be on the team next week. And the reason I say that, through, through this expansion draft, through this draft, and the trades they've acquired, they can't invite everybody to camp, so they still have to move some players. Okay. So, I, I, until we get the shape of the team when we go into training camp, it's going to be tough to say. I think the smartest thing they could have made was getting James, both James Neal and Marc-Andre Fleury. Because Fleury's not bad, and he proved that in the playoffs. You, Mike Sullivan was just looking for an excuse to put Matt Murray back in the game, and he, and he finally did, and I think they were going to win the cup no matter who the goaltender was. But, Flurry still got it, and he gives you that veteran presence. Yeah, no, that, that's a great goalie to have. I know, obviously, Mark Andre Flurry not the same goaltender he was you now a couple of years ago when he was one of the best in the world, but he's still pretty good. Right, he's definitely a good goaltender to start your franchise with. Now, spe- speaking so, of goaltending and trades to the Golden Knights, there's one New York team we haven't talked about yet, the New York Islanders, who I actually think might have had the best draft out of the three teams, as crazy as that sounds. Really? Now, a lot of, really, why? A lot of people, well, first of all, they got rid of one of their biggest problems. They had three goalies that were ready to play in the NHL, and you can't have that. It just it just does not work. So they traded J.S. Ruby to the Golden Knights. Smart move on their part. Why not? Okay. They also traded Travis Lamont which that was another cap deal. They get three draft picks back, which they're going to have to build for. But the thing I like is through their draft picks, Robin Solo is going to help them defensively to help, you know, fill the spot that Hamonic has. And they have other young guys that are actually pretty good. The Bridgeport Sound Tigers, where, where it may not have shown because the Islanders were bringing guys up and down all last year, actually have some pretty good prospects, like Joshua Song that's going to be coming up and a few other guys as well. I think their best draft pick actually came in the seventh round, as crazy as this sounds. Logan Cockrell. Might have the best speed out of this draft class. And if he can get there in the future, because the dynamic speed is the way, the way this game's going. It's not as physical as it used to be. Nashville was very physical, part of the reason why they beat the Blackhawks. But besides the point, you know, this could help them. And, and, you know, the Islanders have made some wholesale changes that I think are going to put them in the right direction. And they had to, or Tavares was going to walk. So you think a round set, so what's the name? Rogan Cockrell, is that his name? Yeah. So the 201st pick, that, that's who's, that's who's going to turn around the Islanders? Listen, I believe you. Not. Because I, I, I will it's, always it's agree piece, with you a, when it comes to hockey. It's a piece that can help. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's John Tavares by any trick or that nation. 
it's also tough to tell and see how this pans out because you got a long way to go. You don't know how they're gonna you don't know how they're gonna go through the rigor of minor league hockey because Cockrell's probably gonna start Bridgeport. Because, you know, these things take time. You don't know what what it's like to go through the schedule. You don't know what it's like. Pro hockey might actually be and you know, this is where we have this argument with NBA people all the time. Pro hockey might actually be the most physically demanding sport outside of football in the world. I would absolutely agree with that. And before the soccer fans start apart for that one, I don't think soccer, you can get away with hitting people like you can in hockey. Also, I feel like there's a lot of breaks in soccer. I know know, the game is always going, but I always see guys on the far side of the field kind of jogging. Oh, wait, there's no jogging in hockey. Uh, When you're on the ice, you're going 100% at the time. There's no no taking anything off. Um, Yeah, like I said, soccer is a consistently moving game, which – yeah, for as someone watching it is fun, but like you now for the other, because the soccer field is so big, seventy percent of the players on the field aren't even close to the ball. There's like they're just walking around. Um, right. But, you no, know, and, that's uh, my I mean, expert opinion on hockey. Guys. I mean, on, uh, on soccer. This is also coming from two guys who couldn't run that far for more than ten minutes anyway. Oh yeah, yeah no, honestly, running ten minutes is actually making me queasy. Thinking about making queasy, I, I didn't want to do it. Uh, I do it every day now. Oh, look at you! You're you're thin now. You're thin, Mike Warren, because you're you're on camera. I'm, I got a face for radio. I can be as fat as I want. It, yeah, uh, that's, that's that a good kind point. of stuff. You said that, not me. <laughs> Listen, it was told to me way before you ever told it to me. So uh, it's, I I will I will live with it. Um, but that's uh, interesting. I, mean, I, I want to talk real quick about um, the Rangers because you know, we are going to talk later about the Knicks. Um, you know, same owner. But the Knicks are just the dumpster fires of dumpster fires. It, it, it's ridiculous how bad the Knicks are um, as an organization. How are the Rangers, with the same owner, nowhere close to that? They, because they are, James they are Dolan. A, a competent franchise. Because James Dolan does not have an inch of hand into that team other than money. That's why. That's it, though. No other explanation. I, I feel like even, but you know, even now, you know, Dolan hired Phil. I feel like he keeps on bringing guys in who are just terrible. Well, you got to wonder with, if Phil's in the front to make sure Dolan doesn't, you know what I mean? So Dolan doesn't take the heat anymore. Because right now, Phil Jackson is making Isaiah Thomas look like a genius. I know it's a serious problem. Which you never thought we'd Again, say that ten years now. No, no, I absolutely would never have thought that in the history. When we signed Phil, I thought this was going to be excellent. At worst, maybe average. This is dumpster fire bad. This is Cleveland Browns level of ineptitude. This is really bad. This is franchise killing bad uh, that we're seeing with the Knicks. Um, and it, it, oh man. It, Think of the, the tale of the tale of uh, of two different teams here, man. Looking at the Knicks and the Rangers, just leading up to draft day, you know, we had the Knicks talking about trading Przingis, and you had the Rangers building for the future, and you had the Rangers picking a player who's probably going to be able to help them out the bat, and you had the Knicks getting Frank from France, which you know, again, well, I'm not going to hate on 
on uh, on on Phil Jackson for picking a foreign-born player. He's very good at that. But you know, as of right now, I can't believe Malik Monk fell past the. Well, we didn't take him. The one thing we're leaving out when it comes to the Knicks, though, is there's one thing Phil wants to do that he can't, and this would this would solve Retire? a lot of problems. You know, get rid of Noah. Yes, he does. But but what would that even solve, though? I know we're getting a lot topic here, but what would that even solve? What, what would trading Mello solve? The triangle doesn't it work, wouldn't, at least not in this current it NBA. Would, it would not be a right-now decision. It would be a, hey, let's take another couple years and rebuild, which I know doesn't work in New York. But at this point, you kind of got to do it. I mean, you look at – and I actually think the Knicks are worse than the Cleveland Browns right now. Because Cleveland at least has admitted, okay, we're terrible. We're going to rebuild. We're going to start from the bottom. Yeah, it might not work, but at least we got to try something. And you know what? I'll give them a little bit of credit for that because they know what they are. They know their identity. The problem with the Knicks is they're still trying to hang on to the 90s and the early 2000s. And number one, it's a different basketball game where you're right. The triangle does not work in this style of basketball. Guys like Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan offensively are useless now because of this. No question. Big guys are no longer a thing of, are a thing of the past in this style of game. So bringing in Joe Kim Noah made absolutely no sense. But if if the Knicks, I think they need to do a complete rebuild. You can build the team around Porzingis without question. Right, but they want to trade Porzingis at this point. So like, what what are we even doing here? Well, if they traded him to Boston, I would be okay with that. So would I, because I I was going to mention this later in the show but I mentioned on the podcast already, I switched sides. Until Phil lets go of his position as – until Phil's fired or he walks away, I am moving over to Boston because I'm done. I'm done with Okay, the I don't know if you can move – I, I don't, don't know if you can move from New York to Boston, but actually, no. no in I used to live in Boston. Because, but then again, just like the NHL, the rivals is technically not Boston. Like it is in the NBA and the NHL, the rival is not Boston. Yes. Well, speaking of a team whose rival is Boston, let's hop over to the Yankees. You like that transition? You like like that segue? That was awesome. Where that was uh, that was that was expert level. But anyway, um, the Yankees, Mike. We all know you're a big New York Yankee fan. Have dropped ten of the last twelve, yet still somehow tied for first in the AL East. How are you feeling right now about this Yankee team? Uh, is is this kind of the, the regression to the means that we all thought was very possible because they had such a hot start at the beginning of the year? Or is this like a bump in the road? Are they going to be buyers or sellers at, at the trade deadline? What, what's your thoughts right now on this New York Yankee team? Well, anybody who didn't realize this was coming clearly does not watch enough baseball. There's so many ebbs and flows in the season that at least on that side of New York, you knew there was going to be a drop-off. I would appreciate it if this drop-off happened against teams like Boston, you know, Minnesota, teams that are good, not like the Angels, the A's, and stuff like that, and Texas. It's like, are you kidding me? But at the same time, Kenny Singleton said it the best yesterday on the broadcast, and i got to give him a lot of credit for this. Because there's two wild-card teams, if you can hover around 500 and make a run, you have a shot to make the playoffs. That's just the way it is now. That's true. That's absolutely true. But 
see if the Yankees make the wild card, would they even go that far? Would they even make it out of the one throw, wild card game? If you throw Luis Severino, maybe. Because right now, the start, they have not gotten good starting pitching in two weeks without, you know, with the exception. I mean, CeCe's coming back, and he was, you know, CeCe does well. Pineda's still, Pineda's still more bipolar than, well, I can't finish that line. I'm getting in trouble. But uh, that's not, that's, that's besides the point. Tanaka, uh, I don't know at this point. You're better, I, I, I figure I might see Godzilla before I see Tanaka throw a great game. I realize he pitched well against Darvish Friday night, but it's just the way, the way it seemed. And, you know, we're getting to the point where I can go out there and pitch better than Tyler Clifford. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Well, this, this Yankee team is not good. It's, uh, well, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not good. It's actually it's a lot of fun to watch. It's just I don't think this team is built for a playoff run. Uh, and honestly, going to this season, I don't think anyone thought they were. Um, but they're in an interesting spot right now. If you're Brian Cashman, when the trade deadline comes, uh, which, you know, it's Surprisingly, very soon, you know, it feels like summer is, is speeding yeah. up every day. Uh, would you would you want him to start buying or, or selling or just being kind of neutral with the trade deadline because he has a young nucleus? Um, do you would you want him to, to add some pieces for maybe a playoff run, or do you think maybe let's stay the way it is this year and aim for the 2018 season? I think in for 2018, and I'm sure this is going to. I'm sure I'm going to have Yankee fans looking. But again, if one of them is too sorrow, I wouldn't really. It wouldn't really bother me because I don't think he knows what he's talking about anyway. But uh, the uh, thing is, we got a lot of young guys. At the end of the day, we have a lot of young guys. We Bobby Torres is hurt, so that's there's no reason to trade that piece. That would be stupid. We're just to the point where I, I think staying is the right move because okay, we lost this year. We had a good thing going. How does this feel? Next year, look out. I don't, I'm looking forward to – although I'm not a Yankee fan, I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, next year for the Yankees. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I hope they're able to build their, their pitching, you know, add some more arms in the offseason because they have they have the firepower at the back, man. They have the back to uh, to be a good team or be a playoff team. It's just got to be able to add some more arms. Um, well, I agree with you, Mike. I think 2018, I'm not sure that's a World Series year, but I definitely think they'll be – we'll see 2018 as the first year, the first step forward uh, to really going back to a, a dominant New York Yankees team. And, and let me say this again as a Yankee fan. The Boston Red Sox are going to win the AL East. I said that at the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with it. And you, you, tell, you give me a reason why they won't. I don't have a reason why they won't. Exactly. They're, they're the best um, team pound for pound. I mean, if the Orioles get it together, they may have a shot too. But there's, I, I, I and this is coming from somebody who's seen Boston this year. Can actually say it. You know, I do live in the New England market now, so everything's Red Sox up here, which is kind of weird. But that's besides the point. Well, you know, the AL East is a very competitive division right now. I think they're all within five wins of each other. So it's, this is a. Really, at any point, if any of these teams get hot in the back half, they can take it. And I, I agree. Baltimore, Boston, Tampa, all have a shot to, to you know, obviously take first place from the Yankees. And the Yankees also have a shot. to, to If they can catch fire, the same fire they caught in the beginning of the season, at the end of the season, they at least is wide open. Unless one of these teams is on a midseason tear, we're looking at a you know, competitive – Oh, yeah, absolutely could happen. 
really right now, though, in the American League, yeah, I said the Red Sox are good. Who's going to beat Houston? I think I think you're right. I think Boston's probably the team that's going to take it. But it'll be a fun, uh, it'll be a fun division to watch. Uh, Mr. Score, Mike Warren, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, oh, and I know this is some good news. We have some good New York sports news. I'm looking forward to hopefully watching the Rangers get uh, Shattenkirk really rebuilding that defense. Uh, obviously, it was, it was upsetting to lose Derek Stepan, but um, you know, I understand why, why they had to do it. Uh, so, at least the Rangers are looking up. The Islanders are looking up. The Devils are looking up. Uh, you know. Well, the to Knicks be fair, the we'll Devils only have one direction to look. Listen, I, I thought about the Jets, and yet somehow they continue to look down. So And the Browns, same thing. So at least the Devils found the floor that can go up. Hey, the Jets, on the other hand, as, who as will, my, not about today, but later on. Hey, as my good friend Derek Palaki always says, they're the Jets for a reason. Derek Palaki, man. I, I, I got to have him on soon. I, I see he's doing all this work in, in Texas. Uh, well, I'm proud of him uh, being a WQKE alumni. He's doing all this work. Uh, that's always good to see one of our own. Um, succeeding the way he is, so I gotta reach out to him soon and, and, uh, and have him on because he's, he's a good guy. Also, we can talk some baseball with him. That's when we get to the you, the, you, the, the dog days of summer. You, we'll have we'll have him on. I feel like you should have him and I on at the same time. That 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 could be your most highest rated show ever. You know what? I think I'm gonna do it. Winner gets free pizza on me. I will order pizza and deliver like to your house if whoever wins the the debate. Ooh, I like that. See, I'll do this. I'm not sure how how Texas pizza is. I'm gonna have to deliver and barbecue, but we'll 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 make something up that we can we'll uh, have some fun with it. All right, I like that idea. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today, um, Mike. What's your Twitter handle one more time? At Sport Mike Warren. Follow him on Twitter at Sport Mike Warren. He also has his own page on Facebook. Uh, obviously, not just like his regular page, but his uh, his broadcasting page. Type up Mike Warren, they'll pop up. Um, <clears throat> Scorn, always good to have you on, man. I'm sure we'll talk very soon, probably even next week. Uh, but uh, always a pleasure, man. Thank you, Matt. Have a good day. Bye, everybody. All right, so that was Scorn, Mike Warren, uh, a wiry radio, and also a, a bunch of I actually don't know what what he uh, what the actual name of the track he broadcast for is. I've been there before. What an experience that was. Uh, but he's a very knowledgeable man, especially when it comes to hockey. I had a lot of fun calling the games with him in Plattsburgh when we used to do our games together. Uh, so, listen, that's good news for the Rangers. Good news for the Rangers that they are in the race to sign Kevin Shattenkirk. I think that could be excellent. Also, the Yankees, we talked about the Mike and the Yankees, the concern that they probably won't win the division this year. They might get a wild card, but 2018 seems to be like the year where the Yankees really take that step forward. But let's um, let's turn our attention, turn our attention to a, a different sport. Although we were uh, we were kind of talking about it very briefly. Let's talk about the Knicks and the Nets. The NBA draft happened uh, last week, and obviously leading up. To the draft, there was a lot of controversy surrounding Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, nothing he did, but everything that Phil Jackson did, because Phil Jackson is the worst executive I've ever seen, which is saying a lot because I've 
meet a lot of executives. I've met a lot of executives. And I've had the right analysis on a lot of executives. And he, by far, is the worst. Not only is he bad in his decision-making, he's bad in how he controls personnel. And he's bad just in general to the media and everything else. He's just bad. He's just a bad executive. So let's take a look at what, what they did. You know, the, he ends up not trading Przingis, which, as the draft got closer, um, looked like it could have been a very big possibility. I know we were talking about a lot on our FanRag Sports podcast, Baseline, the baseline with Sotsky and G when I had uh, the Binghamton Rotary Club on talking about what's the chances of Porzingis being traded, especially to Boston, which seemed like to be the front runner uh, going into the draft. Well, they held on to him, and they have their they kept their eighth pick, and they got uh, Frank Nicolina or Frank from France. So I'm sure I'm going to end up butchering that name. So there's not a whole lot of film on form-born players, so I'm sure a lot of casual NBA fans don't know anything about this guy. So I looked him up real quick. I did some film work, very little, not, not the same film work I got to do on NFL players, but still film work. This kid uh, looks like he could be a big help immediately on the defensive side of the ball. He's a hard, he's a hardcore defender. He's a competitive defender. He can, he's a three-position defender, which means he can guard Point guard, point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. He has that kind of size and athletic ability to do, which honestly, finding a great defender in the NBA is hard. So having Frank Nicolino or Frank from France, a guy who's six foot five and 170 pounds, uh, have that kind of defensive presence is obviously going to help. Um, now he plays above the rim, um, but at the same time, he's a lot more fluid than explosive, he's going to have a hard time driving through NBA defenses. It's just going to be hard. He's only 18 years old, um, and a lot of his negatives are going to show early on, as most rookies do. But where they're going to show is on the offensive side of the ball. He struggles with ball pressure. Uh, His shooting consistency is not good. I'm not sure he can create for himself at the NBA level. Um, and he was not polished overall as a, as a point guard. But you can see the framework there. He has great court vision. He's a high-character player. Like I've already said, he's going to be an immediate impact on defense. But we're probably going to ask him to play starting point guard day one for the Knicks, which may not be the best thing. I really hope they go out and sign a veteran who can play, who can really start the first few games, start the first half, or maybe the whole season ahead of Frank. So Frank can get some more experience playing the bench. He probably wouldn't be the sixth man. He'd probably be a bench point guard where he can learn uh, and, and really fine-tune those tools that he already has out to be a defensive um, replacement early on. But the framework is there for a very good point guard. Is he all-star quality? I don't know. Maybe. I think he definitely has the ability to be a, you know, all-NBA defender. But we have to see how he can really develop his offensive game because like I said, he doesn't shoot that consistently that well, and he doesn't, can't really explode to the hoop, which, you know, if you can't do either one, uh, it's going to be hard to really score in the NBA. Uh, and that's, he only had 5.4 points per game when, um, uh, when he was playing over in France. So that, that could be an issue. 
Uh, the Knicks had two other draft picks, and both in the second round. I know second-round picks don't get a whole lot of love in the NBA, but just real quick, uh, they got Damian Dotson from Houston, the shooting guard. He's a little bit older, 23, had some issues, went to Oregon, uh, was dropped from Oregon after a sexual assault charge. Um, he is your prototypical perimeter shooter. Uh, he's got a great shot. He's got high IQ. He's great in transition, but he's not a dominant athlete. He's not a strong, he's not strong, like physically strong, and he probably can't make his own play. So really he's going to be just a three-point shooter uh, in the end, at least early on. And then all right, this, this kid from Serbia, the point guard, who I will absolutely butcher his name. Uh, so I'm just going to say Ogun and Yarmez, the, the best I can come up with. Um, this kid, I think, has some good potential, but he needs a lot of time before he can – step on the NBA court and really get a bunch of minutes. Um, he's got a lot of speed. He has excellent explosiveness, good size. Um, and, you know, he, and unlike Frank, he can drive to the hoop. However, he's not a good jump shooter. His basketball IQ is low, and he needs to improve his court vision, which, you know, being a point guard, having bad point vision, uh, being behind, having bad court vision could be a problem. I think he'll live off his ability to explode to the hoop early on, but he's going to need – He's going to be a bench player for a while, maybe even a G League player. But he needs to – if he can work on that, he could definitely be a bench player in the, in the NBA. Uh, now let's go over to the Nets, man. The Nets uh, obviously picked up some good pieces before the NBA draft, trading Brooks Lopez on a 27th overall pick to the Lakers for D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov. So they got a very good prospect in Russell, who has been – his early years had just been plagued with – unfortunate and unnecessary things. Obviously, playing with Kobe the first year, he, he took a really big backseat. And then the whole thing with Swaggy P and just like the toxic locker room wasn't good for him. Getting out to Brooklyn, uh, hopefully he's able to refocus and do well in Brooklyn. Uh, and obviously, Mozgov is always good to have there. They got Jared Allen, the kid from Texas, the uh, power, forward, power forward center, 6'11", 224. This kid is all potential. He's, this kid's boom or bust. He is classic boom or bust. He has all the physical tools to be a special player, an all-star player in the NBA. But at the same time, he lacks consistency, he lacks toughness, and he lacks a high motor. And in the end, I think he could become an all-star player, or I think he could be out of the league in a couple of years. Because that's, that's how much of an issue his motor toughness and consistency is, where he's shown tons of flashes, tons of flashes offensively. He's shown that he has defensive potential, but he cannot stay focused. And I have a problem. I think that's a real problem. Going to a team like Brooklyn, where there's not a ton of veteran presence there, having a kid who already has focus problems without a veteran presence could be a real issue. I know Mike Warren's going to jump on me for uh, a veteran presence. After I know I, I kind of kind of killed him on it the last time we spoke. But that's an issue right there. And then going over to the uh, the last pick for the Nets, Vezikov from Bulgaria, the, the sh- uh, small forward plus power forward, 21 years old. This kid, I think, will have probably more of an impact early on uh, than Allen will at least in terms of uh, the box score, this kid is 
a scorer. He's a great perimeter scorer, but he also finds a way to score from anywhere. Great scoring potential uh, for Vezikov. However, though, where he becomes a problem is on defense. He is going to be a huge defensive liability. He lacks the size and strength to guard real big men. He's only six foot nine, 225 pounds. He's going to get pushed around in the post. But then he also lacks the athleticism to cover small forwards and shooting guards. You just can't do it. Uh, as it was written on the um, on DraftExpress.com, which you should check out. If you're an NBA fan, you want to find out more about your players, go to DraftExpress.com. They have great write-ups there. They have great videos, strengths, weaknesses, uh, pro days, workouts. They have all as many videos as they possibly can have on that website. Real great way to to get some great information on the players your team has drafted. Um, and as was written on Vesikov's profile, probably couldn't even jump over a phone book. That is, that is the kind of athletic ability we're dealing with when it comes to Vesikov. So that's going to that's gonna be a serious issue for him. But I think you know, getting a kid with a 58th pick uh, who could be – Know, a good score coming off the bench. I think that's a good value pick um, for for the Nets. So overall, <clears throat> overall going, rather grade these two teams, grade their performances. I would say the Nets probably had the better week. The Nets obviously trade, although they traded Brook Lopez, they got a great great prospect, Angelo Russell, um, and they got Tanisha Mozgov, who's a solid player who really deserved more minutes than what he got in, uh, for the Lakers. And for one more love than he got from the Lakers. And then they also drafted well. Uh, obviously, Allen, huge ceiling, very low floor, but I think Bezikov, I think, could be a really solid bench player. Uh, maybe, hopefully this year, but if not, in a couple of years. The Knicks, though, with the whole issue with Krasingas and the triangle and Frank from France, I'm not sure he's He's the guy that could step in right away uh, and be the starting point guard. But they did get some good players in the back half of the draft. Um, but either way, I, we're going to talk more about the triangle offense and why it doesn't work on our Baseline to Baseline podcast. We'll I'll have uh, Ryan Gansman will come on. We'll talk about the, the triangle offense. That will be released on FanRag Sports Podcasting Network. We'll have that up. You can check at Sotsky and G on Twitter, at Sotsky G Podcasting on Facebook the release of that <clears throat> however let's transition over from basketball to baseball but maybe greg i even has an opinion about this we'll see but making his triumphant return to the program is the american hero the slow play pimp the man soaking up all the rays down south is greg loner g how you doing buddy what's up maddie how are you man it's uh nice being on vacation yeah, right now i'll tell you that <laughs> well, I'm sorry to drag you away and talk about some sore subjects, uh, but we just spoke about the Knicks and the Nets, or I spoke about the Knicks and Nets real quick. Anything you want to add to what I had to say? I didn't hear what you had to say about the Nets, but I did like their move in getting rid of Brooke Lopez. They needed to do that. And uh, getting D'Angelo Russell, I mean, the dude was a second round or a second overall pick in 2015, you know, he was ahead of Porzingis. So, you know, getting him, and I know he hasn't really worked out in L.A., maybe being in Brooklyn on not a very good team, 
you know, might work out well for him, and maybe the uh, the Nets can pull something out of him as well. I like the coaching staff, the front office they've got going on there. And as, as far as the Knicks go, you know I wanted Frank from France, Frank Nicolino. And so I was happy about that. And, and like you said, he, he's probably not going to jump in and, and start right away. I don't know if they're going to bring Derrick Rose back. Um, you have Ron Baker there, but he's not really a starting guy. But if you're really not trying to win games and you're just trying to develop guys, maybe you give him that opportunity to play and give him that opportunity to start because we've seen what this team needs in the Knicks, and they need defense. And that's exactly what Frank Nicolita can do. He can play defense. He's big. He's long. Uh, he's lanky. He's 6'5", he's 7-foot wingspan. Uh, so he can get in the passing lanes and he can disrupt other smaller point guards that have those short arms. I absolutely agree. I think Frank is going to come out and be an immediate defensive presence for the New York Knicks. I just have <clears throat> concerns about him on the offensive side of the ball right now. Um, he has shown that he struggles with ball pressure. Shooting consistency is always an issue. doesn't really have the explosiveness to get to the rim, although he can play above the rim. Um, I think it's going to take some time for him to be a, a real lead point guard. I, I think that although, yes, we're not looking to win anything next year, I think having a veteran on the team that can help him along uh, offensively would be nice. Um, I think just having something like that, I may not kind of throw him into the fire like that. But I think Nick Lina could be – I think his, his floor is at least a defensive specialist, unlike some of the other guys in the NBA draft whose floor is like out of the league in a couple of years, like I spoke about with Jared Allen, uh, who the Nets took with a 22nd pick in Texas. Um, overall, the, whole, the draft for both teams wasn't that bad. Uh, but I think leading up no. to the draft, the Nets were much better than what the Knicks did leading and, up to the draft. Uh, obviously, the the, Net, the Brooke Lopez trade compared to the Przingis rumors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, when you're talking about the Knicks and, and, you know, worrying about his offensive game, you know, the Knicks have guys that can score. And as long as Porzingis is going to be there, you know, maybe you want to start featuring them a little bit more because there's been obviously talk of, Carmelo Anthony getting by, uh, bought out, and, and same with Dwayne Wade, and they're thinking about maybe going to Cleveland. So that way you can really, you know, focus on and center around Kristaps Porzingis, and we can really see if this guy is a franchise guy and can, and can take care of the ball and, and take care of a team offensively uh, because he hasn't really had to do that because he's always had Carmelo there because Carmelo is always going to take the brunt of the blame, uh, you know, the criticism the last shot, things like that. And it, it would really be interesting to see if they got K, um, Carmelo out of there, if they bring in KP, and he's now the focal point of the offense. So, and see if he can really do it. I mean, dude is still 21, 22 years old. So, he's got a lot of upside potential. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. And, and Frank from France, I mean, the dude can pass the ball. So, uh, I don't really have too much concern about him scoring. He's only 18 years old, so he's going to grow. He's going to mature. Uh, in his game and his body and everything like that. So as long as he can just get the ball to Porzingis and other guys who can score, which there aren't a lot of other guys on this team who can actually score the basketball, but they were so poor defensively that I don't care if we can't score 100 points, if we can try to keep people under 100 points, I think that would be good. No, I agree. I think he definitely can pass. So my issue with him, not much of it in the scoring sense, is that when he has a guy on him, uh, especially a guy at a decent defensive caliber, he will turn the ball over. He has an issue with, with guys, you know, half-court press. Obviously, full-court press is a serious problem for him. But guys who get really get in on him, uh, he has a problem kind of distributing the ball and getting out of that situation, which, you know, as a point guard, you have to learn how to get out of that. Because, uh, you know, obviously, yeah. I want to speak to Przingis more, but you can't get the ball with Przingis if you're turning the ball over. That could be an issue. I, that's why I think 
immediately, I don't think he should be the starter. I think getting someone in who can help him with that uh, would be better. But overall, I, I think Frank is going to be – it was fine. Um, also, I, I'm surprised that we let Malik Monk go right by us. I'm, not, I'm surprised he went to the beloved pick overall. That's even almost more surprising. Um, but I was okay with the Knicks pick. I thought that Dotson's a good player. I think he's going to be a good shooter for us. Um, and I think Yerim as the, the point guard from Serbia is even pretty decent. So I think the Knicks did okay in the draft. Um, but obviously it's still a dumpster fire over there. Yeah, it's it's not it's not all good for the New York Knickerbockers. But, I mean, you get these young kids in there, you know, maybe they turn into something. And, and that's exactly what you're hoping for. You just hope that they, they can turn into something and you can have them grow together. So that's why I'm not liking what they're trying to do or thinking about doing with Porzingis. And I don't know if you heard, but they uh, somebody had, had purchased some space and put up a – a banner or uh, something along those lines up in uh, in Times Square or something like or near near MSG actually uh, that says don't trade Porzingis. <laughs> that's an expensive. That's expensive, man. That's one diehard right? fan. Uh, it wasn't I me. Speaking of, I would, I, if I had the money, I would have done it. Well, we don't pay you enough here. We gotta hop on that. The American here needs more money. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, Greg we'll, Schneider, you listening? But uh. Yeah, Greg. Pay Greg more money, Greg. I mean, Greg. But uh, let's uh, let's move on real quick. You know, speaking of a team of a guy on the trade block, let's talk about a team on the trade block. Uh, your New York Metropolitans, the Mets, have been said they are open for business. Uh, you know, obviously this is very upsetting. Mets fans uh, had a much higher expectation for this team going into the year, but obviously injuries derailed that. Uh, what are you hearing right now about, A, what open for business means for this season? And are there guys – what are the guys right now that are in the biggest danger of not being a Met come the second half of the season? Well, I mean, open for business, I mean, that, you're looking at trading a couple of different guys. And it's got to be probably a Lucas Duda and Asdrubal Cabrera. Lines. Uh, in terms of position players, but you know, with position players right now, they there's not a huge market for those kind of guys. You know, there's mostly these teams are looking for pitchers, and the Mets are certainly not in a position to be trading any pitchers because one, they mostly can't stay healthy, and two, they haven't really been good, and that's kind of what this team is built around is is pitching. And so we can't trade any pitchers. We're probably not going to get fair value for a Duda or for a Drupal Cabrera. Um, and, you know, we, we saw as Drupal Cabrera say that, you know, since he was since he was moved over to second base, that they're looking to, you know, he, he wants a trade. He, he's obviously requested a trade. And you see what he did this past weekend where we swept the San Francisco Giants and he had, I think, two hits in every at least two hits in every single game. So he's motivated right now. Um, I don't think that he can go to a contender and play shortstop. He hasn't shown that he's been able to do that. But at the same time, he can be a solid guy. But what's a little upsetting to me, and I've had plenty of conversations with my dad about this, is that, (laughs) oh, boy, we might be having a problem here. might be locked out of this house that we're trying to get into. And, no, we're not breaking into it, but – but yeah, the problem the problem with Asdrubal is it, well, the thing about Asdrubal is you know the Mets are going to be looking for a third baseman, and he seems like he'd be the type of guy that would be perfect. To, so, you know, to to be honest with you, it, it's kind of upsetting because I would like to have him be here and play third base, but I just don't think he's going to be willing and able. 
Um, and it doesn't show me that he's, you know, a good character guy that wants to be like, okay, you know, Terry, I'll do whatever you need. You know, Neil Walker's out. I'll go over, I'll play a little second base, um, you know, for the time being. Grano Reyes, my buddy's not very comfortable at third base, you know. So I'll help the team. I'll do whatever it takes. But he's apparently requested a trade. So, I, I mean, we'll see what shakes out. I don't think they're going to be able to get great value, like I said, for for a guy in Asdrubal Cabrera. But he certainly picked it up this past week, and I get it. They were playing the crappy Giants, but at the same time, you know, he started to pick it up a little bit. So, Obviously, the, the eyes right now of Mets fans are on the 2018 season because the 2017 season is, is uh, pretty much done. You know, obviously, mathematically, yeah. they're not done, but it, it, they're done. What moves would you like to see them make before the start of 2018 season so they can get back to what they were just a couple of years ago or even last year? Um, I mean, you have to get rid of those guys. Unfortunately, you have to get rid of a Lucas Duda and Azrubal Cabrera, a Jose Reyes, because you need to make room for the young kids that are on their way up. And that's really what it's about. It's about getting Ahmed Rosario up here and comfortable and getting him some, you know, some service time and, and getting his feet wet in the big leagues. And same thing for Tom Smith. You know, these are going to be cornerstones in your infield. But the problem, like I mentioned, is we need a third baseman. So I don't really know what the Mets are, are thinking about for third base. Like I mentioned, I, I'd like to see a guy like Ezra Cabrera stay here because he's a good veteran leader. Maybe they keep and retain Neil Walker. Maybe he goes over and he plays third base. Um, you know, And maybe they keep a TJ Rivera for playing second base. Or maybe they switch him and in, in Wil, Wilmer Flores. I, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do, but they have those two young guys on the horizon. So you would look at those two guys to be here full-time next year which I think would be a huge upgrade because Dom Smith is phenomenal defensively at first base. Ahmed uh, Rosario, more known for his glove. He's made he's had some error problems early in the season down in AAA um, this past year or this, this season. But, you know, he's hitting well. He's playing better at short. He is going to be the guy that plays shortstop of this team for the foreseeable future. Same thing for Dom Smith. But like I had mentioned, we take it back to we need some veteran leadership on that infield. I wouldn't feel too comfortable with a bunch of just young guys in the infield. Yeah, they're probably going to be talented, but you also need those veterans. Um, and so I, I would like to see an Ezra Cabrera or a Neil Walker stick around and, and still play in this offense or play in this play on this on this infield. Or maybe you look at a guy maybe like Yanel Escobar, you know, a former shortstop himself, moved over, made the, the, the quantum leap over to third base and a smooth transition. Now it's it's funny to see him and Andrelton Simmons both on the same infield because those two were two shortstops that came up for the Braves organization, very highly touted, obviously, as well, uh, and both were there. And, and it just seems like the Braves have these string of shortstops. I had a conversation with my dad about this yesterday. It's, you know, it was Rafael Furcal, then it was Janelle Escobar, then it was Andrelton Simmons, and now it's Dansby Swanson. So, you know, you need somebody along those lines that, you know, maybe is, was a former shortstop, moved over to third base, something along those lines, I think, would be helpful. And, and then, obviously, you need health because that's been the biggest crush. I know we, we talked to Matthew Cerrone last week, and, you know, he said it's completely fine to blame this season on injuries because you come into the season, the three guys that you really couldn't have injured, Cespedes, Syndergaard, and Familia, and they were all injured at one point. Familia, or, excuse me, Cespedes is just kind of getting himself back into the swing of things. So injuries, you know, obviously that's going to be a huge factor. I think, honestly, I would like them. To, I would like to see them retain Jay Bruce. I think he's been good here. Uh, we talked to, like I said, Matt Cerrone last week, and he had mentioned the same thing that 
uh, you want to keep they, they they like Jay Bruce I think more than they anticipated they would and, and they, he can play in New York he can handle New York and and he's really been one of the consistent parts of this lineup uh, and a guy who has made a career of not being consistent he's been a consistent part of this lineup and you know, I think his Mets fans were waiting for the other shoe to drop, where in the second half of the season he just goes on a, a downslide and, and doesn't play well at all. But you know, we'll see what happens. But like, like I said, injuries first and foremost, and then you have to figure out what you're doing around those young kids on the infield. All right, well, real quick before we uh, before I let you go, moving from, the Queen, moving from Queens to the Bronx, the Yankees have lost 10 in the last 12. Is this the progression to the means that we were waiting for? It seems to be, uh, Matt. Unfortunately for Yankee fans, um, it's been a fun, fun ride so far. I'm not entirely sure that they they can keep this up. I, you know, we have always been skeptical of what they were doing from the get go. That wow, they were this good and this hot. Uh, nobody really anticipated that. Um, their pitching hasn't been good. Uh, their bullpen certainly hasn't been good. They've got to roll this Chapman back now, which is certainly helpful. At the same time, I don't know what is happening to Tyler Clippert. He is falling off a cliff where he's going through some kind of the worst rough patch of his life, basically, right now. Need other guys in the bullpen to step up. Aaron Judge continues to play well, you know, even though even though the rest of his lineup really is kind of faltering, the team in general is faltering, he continues to hit well, high average, you know, hitting home runs uh, and everything like that, but you know, this kind of might be the regression to the mean, like you mentioned. So it's going to be interesting to see what Cashman goes out and tries to do for the Yankees. Does he try to go out and, and make a move and get somebody in here? Maybe another pitcher in here, maybe a bullpen arm. Or does he kind of sit tight and say, okay, I'm going to let this play out. Uh, it's been fun. You know, we'll see how the rest of this season progresses. If we end up making the playoffs, terrific. If not, Okay, we didn't lose any. Uh, we didn't lose any pieces uh, in our minor league system. Uh, obviously, Glaber Torres, uh, he he needs Tommy John surgery, so that's going to be something that uh, that they have to look forward to for next year. Well, Greg, man, thank you so much for joining us today, man. I know you were it's your vacation, so I, I hate bringing you on, but I'll. I, I no worries. That much. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no worries, man. I'm standing up here. I've got a pool. I, I've got like the ocean in the, in the, you know, and so I'm living it. I'm living life right now. Awesome, man. Well, uh, you enjoy the pool and the rays while I sit here next to the Nick dumpster fire. Uh, and I, uh, I'll talk to you when you get back, man. Uh, as always, thank you for coming on and, and helping me out. Of course. Uh, always. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, so uh, thank you, Greg, for coming on. Honestly, always appreciate uh, your your presence. Uh, you're the uh, honestly the man. Uh, so wrapped up real quick. Thank you, Mike Warren, score my Warren for coming on to the show today, and also thank you, Greg, for taking time out of your vacation uh, to help me. Uh, so you talk to Mets. Real quick wrap up. Uh, Rangers are are in the race for for Shattenkirk. The Knicks are still a dumpster fire. The Mets are selling up everything, and the Yankees return time back regression to the mean. Uh, schmuck of the week forever is Phil Jackson. Uh, but mention of the week, you know, we'll go with the Nets, man. Sometime you have to give some love to the Nets. But this was uh, the big up of sports hour, Sopsky. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back next week, Monday, 1230. We'll do it all over again. Bye, guys.